All right, I'd like to welcome you today to the uh, Romans class. Today is Romans class number 15. We're in Romans chapter 5 today. If you have your Bible, Romans chapter 5, we're going to start off reading in verse number 6. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 6. The Bible says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Great passage of scripture there, verse number 9 that goes with First Thessalonians chapter 1 verse number 10. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. If you're justified by his blood, you're saved from wrath. Verse number 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That's the life of God. We were reconciled to God by the death of God's son. And if we are reconciled, then we are saved by the life of God. That's a great verse for eternal security. Eternal security, of course, uh, is not a license to sin, but it is for saved sinners who have been saved. You were enemies and God has saved you. Now, if God would save you and reconcile you while you were his enemy and make you into his son, then... Uh, God having made you his son, what would he do for you then? Would he cast you away? No, he would save you by his own life. So the uh, Romans chapter 5, uh, especially verse 6 through 10 and 11 there, are a great part of what we call the Romans road. And the Romans road has uh, had some ridicule uh, over the past few years. And, and over the last few years, I have saw a tendency for people to make light of different things like repentance and calling on the Lord for salvation, praying for salvation. Of course, those are all uh, parts of of different uh, theologies that you might find around the world that kind of frowns on different things like that, witnessing uh, to some degree and praying for salvation to some degree. Well, the Bible tells us to call on the name of the Lord, and we should certainly do that. And in in trying to convince a man to call on the Lord, the Lord uses means for that. He uses the Spirit. He uses His Word. He uses prayer. He uses, the uh, uh, again, the Word of God itself, and He uses a preacher. Romans chapter 10, how shall they hear without a preacher? And so there's a great amount of conviction and a great amount of convincing that goes on in the heart and mind of a man uh, that tries him to see if he is a believer or not. And so when we talk about leading a man to Christ, this passage here is a great passage that deals uh, that deals with salvation, deals with the mindset, the heart set of both God and man. When we were without strength, Christ died. And when we were uh, sinners, Christ died for us. When we were ungodly, Christ died for us. Uh, then once we are saved, God keeps us by his own life. And so there's a great, uh, this, this is a, really a great passage of scripture here. But I would like to point out a few things about these verses. 
that may not deal exactly with uh, what we normally think of when we're dealing with the Romans road. Verse number 6 again, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ did it first of all, we point out that he done it in due time. I've often asked myself, why didn't God uh, make uh, restitution and make atonement for Adam when he was the only one that was here? Him and Eve fell into sin and man has lived a great uh, and long history since Adam and it's only been 2,000 years ago that Christ came and died on the cross and there was a great many years between Christ dying on the cross and the days of Adam and I oftentimes wonder he could have he could have made restitution for Adam and uh, redeemed Adam in a New Testament sense and he could have uh, he could have uh, created an atonement for Adam but he didn't choose to do that he didn't choose to do that in Abraham's day or in Moses' day Instead, in Moses' day, he implemented the law of God and those sacrifices that were made underneath the law of God and the law of Moses, the Bible says, can never take away sins. But in due time, Christ showed up and John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And he certainly did make atonement for us. And the Bible says he done that in due time. And so there was reasons behind that. And of course, the law... Uh, was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The law was not meant for us to keep rules and regulations in order to justify ourselves, but in order to prove that we could not justify ourselves. This was the lesson that the law taught. It gave, it gave men uh, statutes. It gave men principles that God expected uh, men to live by, that God himself, uh, and I often say this, that uh, that Christ is the personification of the law. It is the standard by which all men are measured. And Christ fulfilled that law. So if the Bible says to honor your father and mother, Christ would honor uh, his father and mother. And if the Bible said that you shouldn't covet, Christ wouldn't covet. And Christ uh, simply... Uh, is the personification of the law. All the rules and regulations regarding morals in the Old Testament, these are simply the personality of God. Uh, They're the personality of Christ. Christ wouldn't go against these things or break those things because the law is a description of Christ's personality. That is who he is. Now you and I would break those things and if you and I uh, would not break those things, if mankind was in a place where it was uh, in his nature to do right, then there would be no need to give him a law that would tell him uh, what wrong is. And and if a man was in a position to where he uh, needed no correction, then there would be no laws and, and no corrections attached to those laws. But we see the law plainly in the Old Testament. We We read it, we study it, we find out its requirements and we find out its punishments when we don't meet up to those requirements and it's those things that the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 24 it says the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ when we see our uh, imperfection when we see our inability 
to measure up to God's standard and that Christ being God manifest in the flesh lived up to those standards then he was able to also pay for our sin debt for when we were yet without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly now 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 9 says a, a very interesting thing and he says uh, in, in verse number 9 2 Corinthians 12 9 he said unto me my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength God's strength the Bible says is made perfect in weakness most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me now he told Paul God told Paul that his strength was made perfect in weakness and again Romans chapter 5 and verse number 6 for when we were yet without strength when we were without strength in other words we presented weakness we were without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly so God says his strength was made perfect in weakness and when we were yet without strength when we were weak in other words Christ died for the ungodly now the ungodly is just too weak to be on the same level with God on the same level with Christ the ungodly has a a defect in his character that prevents him from living up to the expectations of almighty God for when we were yet without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly and so as he tells Paul my strength is made perfect in weakness evidently God's strength is to deal with weakness God's strength is to deal with those things that are lacking those things that are needful in other words God is very able to meet the needs of those who have weakness whether that weakness be physical mental whether it be uh, moral whatever the case is God has proven his ability Uh, to deal with things that are weaker than him and that he has grace towards men and that he's long-suffering towards men and God has proven that throughout the ages and so one of the greatest attributes of God in the mind of man is God's grace we love him uh, not because we're holy but we love him because he first loved us we see his merit we see his magnitude we see everything that is uh, large about him and small about ourselves John the Baptist said he must increase and I must decrease and John the Baptist when he saw the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world he saw clearly that that Christ was uh, a, a cut above a step above he was more powerful in righteousness he was more power uh, he was more powerful in his grace in his mercy in his truth uh, in his, his uh, Christ's perfection and maturity was uh, unsurpassed and could not be uh, surpassed and so when God says uh, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And then in verse number 8, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for the ungodly, and Christ died for us. And so it's a matter of his strength being that of grace. And so uh, I would say that a large part of Christian perfection and I don't mean sinlessness I mean perfection maturity a large part of Christian maturity is being able to deal with those who are 
uh, less mature, uh, a good uh, measure for a, a Christian, a truly Christian righteous man is that he's able to deal with the unrighteous. He's able to uh, see things the way that God sees it. And uh, there are things in the New Testament that the Bible says that Christians should separate from. And the Bible certainly commands Christians in the New Testament to be separate. Uh, but the Bible says not altogether uh, from uh, the centers of this world. We're to be separate, of course, uh, but not altogether uh, from all the unrighteous people here in the world. Uh, of course, we'd have to leave the world in order to do that. But we are to be witnesses. We are to have grace. We are to see in the ungodly. Uh, the potential for them to be saved just as we're saved and to carry the gospel to them. And if God's strength is to deal with those uh, who are weaker than himself, more ungodly and more uh, unrighteous than himself, then the strength of a Christian, a Christian who is sealed by the Spirit of God, should also have that same strength and should pray for that strength and should nurture that strength if he recognizes that he doesn't have much of that strength uh, in himself. But at any rate, uh, uh, traveling on here, verse number 9, uh, verse number 9 and 10, I mentioned it a while ago. These are verses uh, that tend to eternal security, the eternal security of the believer. And we'll see several more verses like this as we go through uh, the book of Romans. But in verse number 9 and 10 it says, Much more than, see Christ died for us in verse 8, Much more than being now justified. You were lost, you were ungodly, you were weak, and but now you're justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath. That's a future thing. We're sinners now. Uh, we call upon him for salvation. We're saved now. We're still in the flesh. Romans chapter 7 is going to teach us a lot about standing in state. We're saved, but we're still weak and we're still fleshly. And for a large part carnal, as you'll find in the book of Corinthians, especially uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2, and 3 will explain a lot about that. But we're justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. And this uh, being saved from wrath has to do with uh, being predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. Romans chapter 8. Uh, Romans chapter 8 also talks about the adoption, which is the redemption of our body. Ephesians chapter 1 talks about that adoption, uh, the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, which is our body. And so he says, much more than being now justified, we are right now justified. We trust in Christ. We are justified right now. We're not working to be justified at a later date. By our deeds, we read that in Romans chapter 3, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath. That's the book of Revelation. Read it and see if you don't find the cup of his wrath in the book of Revelation. And so he said, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Uh, why is that? He says in verse 10, for if... When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We were God's enemies, and God gave us his son for our reconciliation. His death 
burial, and resurrection. See it right there in the verse. By the death of his son. Okay? Much more being reconciled. We were sinners. We were ungodly. We were enemies. God reconciled us by his son. Okay, now that we're reconciled, we shall be saved. Everything in our future is taken care of by the life of God. And not only so, verse 11, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. And of course, you know uh, from studying the Day of Atonement that the Day of Atonement, the atonement takes place by the sacrificial lambs of the Old Testament. The sacrifice for sin that was made once a year, Hebrews chapter number 10, uh, uh, each year bringing up a remembrance of sin. But Christ, it says, uh, was offered once. And so here he says, not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we ha have now received the atonement. We have received the atonement. Uh, once you put your faith in Christ, according to Romans chapter 10, God has given you his righteousness. We made a great study of that in Romans chapter 4 as well. And the atonement has been made for you. Christ, uh, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, paid for those sins on the cross. And when you trust in him, that sacrifice is accounted to you. Though you're born 2,000 years later, the sacrifice that was passed was uh, applied and counted to your account here 2,000 years later. If you live in the day and time uh, that I live, that is, if, if you live 200 years from now, that'll be true, and so forth and so on. And so it says, uh, we have now received the atonement. Your sins have been atoned. Uh, get a dictionary. Look up these great words. Justification. Atonement. Now, I've given you definitions for these things and, and definitions for these words and we cover these things, but nothing uh, there's nothing like uh, you doing the study for yourself, reading the scripture, and looking up the definitions of the words. And the, we always talk about context when we're talking about uh, interpretation of a, of a portion of scripture. And context means a lot, but also it's the definition of the words that make up the context. So be very careful and, and don't be in such a rush to get through the book of Romans or the New Testament or the whole Bible itself that you can't. Uh, break out a dictionary and find the meaning of the words and, and maybe a thesaurus that you can find other words that are going to mean the same thing or, or practically the same thing. And you'll have a lot better time as you read your Bible and, and you'll have more enlightenment from the Scripture and God will shed more light on these things for you so that you have a greater understanding. Maybe in another passage of Scripture he'll use a different word and uh, you'll be able to recognize it as meaning the same thing and being complementary uh, to some of these verses that we're studying or some of these verses or chapters that we're studying uh, from time to time. So you go and read maybe in the book of Corinthians or maybe Galatians or maybe uh, another verse somewhere else, another chapter somewhere else. And because you've did the study from your dictionary and from your thesaurus, and you, you have a great familiarity now with, uh, uh, with, uh, with these Bible vocabulary words, then uh, you'll be able to recall what we studied 
uh, in the past and what you've studied in the past and God will give you a greater understanding and a great interpretation of the scripture. The Bible says that the scriptures of no private interpretation. So you want to get the Spirit's interpretation and I believe that the Spirit chose the words very carefully uh, when he uh, gave us the scriptures. And so be sure that you do that. And not only so, he says, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now, we have now presently received the atonement. Wherefore, verse number 12, we'll cover uh, just a few more of these verses here. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. That was, that was Adam. Adam disobeyed God in the garden and sin came into the world. So basically we know that the, uh, that the definition of sin is disobedience to God. And God gives us some other definitions that we can go by when, when it deals with sin. All unrighteousness is sin. If it's not right, it's a sin. Uh, the Bible says that which is not of faith is sin. So if you're doing a thing that it may not be necessarily immoral, but if you're not doing it by faith, the Bible says it's sin. And so um, and you'd have to take those things on a case-by-case -case basis uh, and just check yourself on a regular basis and see if you're doing things by faith. And, uh, and somebody might... You know, be a smart aleck. Well, you're not sleeping by faith and something like that, but sleeping's not a sin. Well, I understand those things as well, but uh, there are some folks who pray and ask God to, you know, keep them through the night. And when they wake up in the morning, they thank God for another day. And uh, at some point during the day, they thank God for the day they've lived. And, and they're trying to do the right thing by faith. And they lay their head down on the pillow and go to sleep. And I would think that God would be pleased with that. And a person that never thinks of those things, I, I'm not sure God is pleased with that. So uh, I'd be careful of the, of, of kicking against an idea like that uh, when we say that that which is not of faith is sin and just apply that across the board. Of course, we're all sinners and we understand we all get involved in different things from time to time that's not of faith. Uh, but the idea is to read more scripture on a daily basis and on a yearly basis and on a monthly basis. And the more days you live and the more months you live and the more years that you live, that you are growing in the Lord and that your life becomes more and more and more by faith. But at any rate, the Bible says here, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And so now we're getting a, a more in-depth look at Romans chapter 3, when it tells us, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It makes that statement. And it assumes that you understand that statement and goes on teaching what Romans chapter 3 teaches. Now, Romans chapter 12 is going to build on that statement for all have sinned. And here he's teaching us that Adam sinned and that Adam's offspring uh, received that sin by inheritance. Uh, death passed upon all men. Now, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin... And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Now we talked about this in Romans chapter 4 and we touched on these verses, Romans 12, 13, and 14. But here uh, we are in the actual verse so we'll cover these things again. Uh, for until the law, verse 13, for until the law, sin was in the world. So Adam's sons um, were... By inheritance, sinners, they uh, received the 
uh, sin nature from their father Adam, from their mother Eve. Uh, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And we'll see in verse 13 and 14 that death is the, is the main uh, punishment that was passed on to Adam's children. Because it says in verse 13, until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. So the ultimate penalty of sin was not imputed to them, but the penalty of sin, which is physical death, that certainly was. Verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. And you'll find out as you read your Bible uh, through on through the New Testament, you'll find out that those people who uh, were hard-hearted, those people who, uh, while uh, Noah was preparing the ark, uh, they were sinners, of course, and that they were uh, probably, a lot of them were mockers, and certainly they uh, rejected the uh, the message uh, that Noah tried to preach but uh, the Bible says in the New Testament that while the ark was preparing uh, they they perished not giving heed to to Noah and and the uh, the thing that he was trying to do build the uh, build an ark for the saving of his family. No doubt he was preaching to the people uh, that come to see what he was all about. Uh, but they didn't take heed. But the Bible says that Christ, after he was crucified, went and preached uh, to those spirits in prison who was disobedient in the days of Noah. And how would they have that opportunity? Because sin was not imputed unto them. There was no law, and so you can do those kind. You can do that study for yourself. You'll find that to be absolutely true. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression. And there's a period in there from, from uh, it talks about Adam to Moses. Well, there's also a period of time in there where. Where God deals with Abraham, gives Abraham a covenant, and Abraham's children fall under that covenant. Well, there's a whole uh, there's a whole uh, bunch of people that weren't Abraham's children; they weren't in the covenant, but they were Adam's children, and they were going to die because they were sinners. But that law is still not imputed unto them. So that when we talk about dispensationalism, we're talking about studying all these people and how things apply to them. They're, they're going to die because they're sinners, but their sin is not imputed to them. Well, that's what it says right there in verse number 13. Uh, religion doesn't teach that. No religion teaches that that I'm aware of. But verse 13 says, until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. And what did David say? David describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Verse 8, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Romans chapter 5 verse 13. For until the law sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Sin is not imputed when there is no law. So that's a, that's a very uh, 
you can uh, throw a blanket statement over the, all the world when you're talking about sinners. There's no question all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But you have to be careful who you put into hell and when you put them into hell. I had a preacher one time tell me, of course, he was a non-denominational preacher, and uh, which is a denomination in and of itself, but that's a different story for a different time. He told me if Adam didn't get saved by the grace of God, that Adam went to hell. And of course, that's ridiculous. Sin is not imputed when there is no law, though Adam was subject to death. And this is what it's talking to us here about. Verse four, verse 12 is the key verse. As we go into verse 16, 15 and 16, verse 12 is the key verse uh, that goes with verse 15 and 16. The main theme of these verses, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So that idea of Adam bringing sin into the world wholesale, is what we're talking about in verse 15 and 16. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. If Adam brought in sin into the whole world and it affected the whole world, so the same possibility is with Christ bringing in a free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And so you say, well, who are the many? Well, we've just uh, discussed that uh, when we talked about in Romans chapter 4, men believing God and his righteousness being imputed unto them. That's why it says in verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. Well, verse 15 says it's the same way uh, as the offense, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And so what he's telling you is, is that the same way that everybody became sinners, everybody can become saints. You can become uh, righteous in the eyes of God through the righteousness of Christ, just like sinners became sinners in the eyes of God through the sinfulness of Adam. And so... Uh, sin passes upon all men death passes upon all men well also the grace of God can pass upon all men and the life from God can pass upon all men depending upon if they believe God that's Romans chapter number 10 and we'll get to that very shortly but in Romans chapter 10 uh, the Bible says you believe in your heart you confess with your mouth he says and call upon the uh, name of the Lord you'll be saved Verse number 16, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is, the, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation. Condemnation came upon all men through Adam. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification, for by one man's offense death reigned by one. Much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. So the uh, the sinfulness of Adam was passed on to to his children, and the righteousness of Christ can be passed on 
uh, and not only passed on, but make you the children of God. The righteousness of Christ makes you the children of God. He came unto his own, John chapter 1. He came unto his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So just as you were born naturally and became Adam's son, and because you're Adam's son, you're a sinner, you can believe on Christ and become God's son. God gives you the power to become his son, and God's righteousness be put upon you. And just as the man that's born in sin will die in sin, uh, if he doesn't trust Christ, the man that trusts Christ will die in life as far as the, the flesh is concerned. As far as the spirit goes, he'll never see death. He'll never taste of death. And so it's the, 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 the idea of sin being or having effect on everyone that's born. Uh, then the righteousness of Christ has effect on everyone that's born again. It's the whole idea of John chapter 3's statement that a man must be born again. Verse number 17, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in, Christ, uh, reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. If you were reading verse 17 and 18 there, I would also go back and read John 3, 16, 17, and 18, uh, along with those passages of Scripture right there, and you'll see some, some good connections there. Verse 19, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. See, verse 19 just said everything that I'd said in explanation of the past verses, but it summarized those verses and told you exactly uh, what I've been telling you for the last 10 minutes. Verse number 20, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And that's a great verse to praise God about right there. Uh, the law entered and made you guilty, made you accountable in a way uh, that the direct uh, children of Adam uh, up until Moses wasn't accountable. In other words, well, you can go back and read the verse again. I don't have to read it again. Verse number 13. Uh, verse 13 has a great uh, com uh, comparative value there with verse number 20. When the law entered in, the offense abounded. And they should have recognized that offense and trusted Christ when he came. But they trusted in themselves that they were righteous and justified themselves by their ordinances and the things that they kept rather than saying, hey, if I was just, then I wouldn't have needed these ordinances to begin with. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, we'll pick up next time in uh, Romans chapter number 6.